Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 30-something podcast with Sunny. I am so glad you are here today. Uh, my name is Sunny Abada, and this podcast is all about the things that make this stage in life so fun and so crazy. We talk a lot about mothering and parenthood, the big things that come along with the little people that we bring into this world. I also talk with a lot of people who are what I like to call second chapters, people who have followed their passions down a different path in life. So you'll find interviews with entrepreneurs or people that have started businesses or brands um, after taking a moment to listen to their gut and follow their calling. So uh, we've got a lot here. Uh, today's episode is awesome, and I can't wait for you to uh, to tune in. Kristen Fisher is a correspondent, a Washington-based correspondent for Fox News, and she is tasked with a very big job of following our president and covering all of, well, not all of, but many of his appearances worldwide. And she'll also be on the campaign trail next year. So she is going to be on the road quite a bit working. And she's also a new mom. So that makes things a little crazier. I know all my parent friends out there feel me when I say uh, adding a kid into the mix when you have a job that you're traveling with so much really, really makes things crazy. Kristen talks all about her wild schedule and how she uh, keeps everything together with a one and a half year old girl at home and all this time she spends on the road. She talks about her journey and how she got to Fox News. Um, I love hearing how people follow their passions. Kristen worked hard to get where she is. So she talks a lot about um, that journey on the professional side of things even has some advice for people who are interested in breaking into TV or even um, into the digital space. So you have to uh, listen to that. And because you know your friend here loves a beauty product or two or 10, we also talk about beauty product recommendations. And this is a girl who's been on TV, so she knows what works. We're going to talk all about her very specific product recommendations, including the particular type of eyelash you need to be wearing to look fabulous on camera and we are all in camera these days because of these smartphones so you have to make sure you listen to uh, that part where she has all of her beauty tips and yeah it's been fun to uh, it's been fun to, to chat with someone who is in a just such a demanding profession and hear how she makes it work um, by the way we reference an article in the Washington Post during this interview and I'm going to link that under the podcast section of my website so make sure you check out uh, sunny.me Kristen's mom is is fabulous in her own right the first mother to go into space so you'll hear Kristen talk more about this but the long and short of it is she had Kristen on a Friday she went to work at NASA with her donut on Monday that is insane and insanely tough and uh she's just an incredible woman her mother Anna Fisher so I love talking to Kristen about her astronaut mom. Her dad is also an astronaut. So talk about coming from a line of incredibly intelligent people and what it's like being raised by a woman who just set such an incredible standard for uh, moms and working moms. So um, it's just a great interview. Kristen is a delight and I'm so glad she let me interview her. So I hope you guys enjoy. Again, all of the stuff will be linked under podcasts on my site. Um, yeah, everybody enjoy. This is Kristen Fisher. Guys, I am so excited about today's guest. As you heard in the intro, she's a journalist, Washington-based correspondent for Fox News. Uh, Kristen Fisher, uh, I guess, Kristen, your, your whole family has been um, out in the public eye for quite some time. You are on Fox News right now, so your career is all about telling other people's stories. I want to dig in first with you, but then I have to tell all the listeners about the amazing story of your mom, the astronaut. I know. Oh my gosh. Such such amazing things your family has accomplished. Let's start with you though. So you're in Washington okay. right now. What exactly do you I do know. with Fox? So I primarily covered the Trump administration for Fox News. Uh, I'm at the White House a lot. I'm on Capitol Hill a lot. And I'm one of their correspondents that just covers uh, whatever is happening in the Trump administration. And as you know, it's uh, keeping me pretty busy these oh, days. Girl. I also do a lot of stuff on the campaign trail. I go to a lot of his rallies and uh, also gearing up to uh, cover some of the Democrats in 2020. So we were, if you're ever in a lull in D.C., I even hate to say that. That makes me cringe because the news cycle is so insane these days that uh, it's hard to keep up. But we are in a bit of a lull now, and it's only going to get even more crazy over the next few months as we really kick 
uh, into into high gear with the 2020 stuff. I can't imagine what it's like. And as a journalist, especially covering politics in this day and time, is it hard sometimes to like pull back from that rush of adrenaline that I'm sure you get while you're working? Because people don't realize sometimes when you're in the media, you tend to absorb some, some of the public's energy sometimes. So if you're at these rallies, that energy I'm sure could be good sometimes or bad sometimes. And you might also be kind of caught in the crossfire. Can you talk about what it's like to be sort of like in the middle of it? You know, I think you have to you have to figure out a way to not let the news cycle dominate your internal emotions or else you're going to go crazy. But then every once in a while, you know, like yesterday when that awful story, that image of that uh, migrant father and his child, his 23 month old daughter uh, drowned while trying to cross the Rio Grande, you see something like that. And it just especially as a mom now, it just cuts you to your core. I mean, I find my, I, I could barely even look at that image yesterday. It was just so upsetting. And um, so, you know, you try to kind of insulate yourself from, th but then you see something like that and you yeah. just, you know, it kind of all the walls come down. So uh, it is tough. And especially now covering politics. I mean, politics is so heated on, and polarizing on both sides, but at the same time, it's also incredibly exciting. And, you know, I don't think there's, you know, in recent times, this is probably the most that people, um, just average Americans, have really focused on, on politics since President Trump took office. So um, it's hard, but it's also incredibly exciting. I feel like I'm at the center of the news universe at the moment, you know? Absolutely, absolutely, um, yeah. I mean, did you think you would cover politics? I know uh, your background, you had been in Washington in the past, but you also had done some freelance correspondence work for other networks. Did you ever uh, imagine focusing on politics or was that always part of the plan? I wouldn't say it was part of the plan, but it's something that I started doing along the way. And the more I did it, the more I was interested in it. Uh, I really started covering politics when I was uh, a local news correspondent in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, actually. I covered the state capitol there and their legislative sessions for about two years. And I also happened to find myself in Arkansas in the middle of the 2008 campaign. And of course, Hillary Clinton and the former governor of the state, Mike Huckabee, were both running for president. So I got to do a lot of campaign stuff then. I was actually a one-man band campaign correspondent uh, for much of the 2008 campaign cycle. So I really got uh, a good taste for it then. And, you know, if you've ever... I mean, campaigns are just so grueling. I mean, I have the utmost uh, just kind of respect for these candidates because, I mean, they never get a break, right? Oh, I insane. mean, it is just you always have to be on. But uh, I got a taste for it then, and then I used that experience to jump to the CBS affiliate in D.C. and covered a lot of politics then. And look, if you're, if you're living in D.C. and you're not covering politics as a journalist, you're, you know, you're that's like 90% of it. So... You better like covering it if you live here and work here as a journalist. Oh, yeah. That's like, I mean, and it really is a rush. I mean, people, um, you know, what, what do they say that Washington is like the Hollywood for nerds? I mean, I, I'm a nerd, so I get like a big rush about, uh, you know, following um, following politics and, and current events and things like that. But it's more important than ever, I feel like, to be to be informed of what's going on. And um, and, and I loved seeing you. I love seeing you sort of trailblaze that. I, I do want to talk about you mentioned um, how being a mother has sort of um, impacted the way that uh, the way that you view the news as you're delivering it. And I want to like dive into that a little bit because um, you bring up a point that I feel like every woman that I've ever spoken with in the journalism mm -hmm. field has echoed. And that is uh, you have an appreciation for the uh, the difficulty and tragedy of some of the stories that you cover before you're a mom. But after you become a parent, you feel them in a totally, totally different way. How do you think that um, that having a child has has changed your sort of professional perspective? It's just made me have a lot more empathy on certain stories in particular. And, you know, I, I have right. We're, we're, we're supposed to control our emotions as a journalist and be truly objective and just report the facts and keep our opinions to the side. But like I said, when you see an image like the one we did yesterday, or for me particularly, one issue that I have found to be tough to, to really keep uh, emotions out of is just the issue involving the separation of 
families and, and children at the border. I mean, having a kid and hearing some of these stories about, you know, little babies being separated from their moms and things like that. It's just, that is, I, I always really pride myself on truly trying to pre present both sides of the story and being truly fair and balanced. And on that story in particular, I found myself really having to kind of dig deep and make sure that I was being really fair and really balanced yeah. because just the, the emotions of being a mom and thinking of my baby and thinking of me and my child in that situation, it, I, I sensed those emotions uh, becoming much more powerful in a way that they weren't before. I'm curious to get your opinion on this. And I do want to talk about little Clara, your baby, who's how old now? Yeah. She's about a year and a half. A year and a half. Just over a year and a half. Okay. And you guys have to check out um, Kristen's Instagram page. It's Chris, uh, Kristen Fisher's. <laughs> the video of her walking in her granny costume actually <laughs> is the most hysterical thing I've ever seen. If you scroll down, I'm guessing that was for um, Halloween. And she's walking with a little... Halloween. Oh, my and gosh. she was sick at the time. And that costume <sighs> made it on for like a whole of two minutes. Oh, my gosh. Is she... I'm glad that you found it hilarious because you would be amazed how many people commented and thought that I was a horrible parent for dressing her up like that oh lord she was screaming listen she, I mean she would have screamed no matter yes. what I put her in yeah and you know what I she was surrounded by love and fine it was two minutes of her life but I'm dying because like she looks like she has a little cotton ball wig on is that what that is yeah. oh my gosh my sister came up with this idea and <laughs> I was like you know what Etsy had like a baby granny set that you could order and I was like all right let's do it it is literally the cutest thing I've ever seen um so <laughs> how, how does how is it being like the mom of a of a baby especially like leaving and traveling and all that stuff it's got to be kind of bonkers it, it you know I I'll be honest I wasn't sure about 10 years ago if I wanted to have children because of the toll that I knew it would take on my career and then I met my husband and then I obviously wanted to have children and having her, but you know, even knowing that I wanted to have a kid, I, I was still worried about it. Even when I was pregnant and you know, all that, you just, you know, you work so hard for something and then you, you shouldn't have to choose between that and a family. And, and fortunately, um, Fox has made it possible that I, I don't have to, but you still wonder in the back of your mind, like, oh my gosh, is this the end of my career? And having her has just been, it's been, I, I didn't realize how much fun it was going to be. It's fun, she isn't is it? She is just so funny. Like she, <laughs> she makes me laugh so much. And I think she's made me a better journalist. The hard part is what you talked about, you know? I mean, the travel is really tough. Yeah. And the, well, here, let me tell you about what, what I what I'm doing right now and what it could be, right? So I right now have it worked out to where I work a shift from 3 p.m. until like 11.30 p.m. So I get to spend most of my days with her until about, you know, 2.30, which is great. The downside is, you know, I don't get home until after midnight and, you know, I still have to deal with my baby when she gets up early in the morning. So it means little sleep, but I am getting to spend a lot of quality time with her. But I still do these trips and, you know, it's 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 I, I think it makes me a better parent when I am home um, because I put my phone away. I put my email, I shut it off like I when I am with her, I really try to just be with her. Um, but then of course, when I'm away, I miss her like crazy and have all this horrible mom guilt. So, Ugh, um, I feel like my mom never gave goes me a away. good piece of advice. She said, it's more painful for you than it is for them at this age. So I, I try to remember that, but you know, it's tough. It's tough. It's, it is hard. I work that same shift and I completely, um, I understand everything you're saying so viscerally, the need to really be present in those hours that you're with your baby and the utter exhaustion. I bow down to you, Kristen, because I live that life and girlfriend. It is not easy because you get up. The baby wants you when you get up in the morning, you know, yeah. so you get that whatever five or six hours of sleep. If you're lucky, I never right. had good sleepers. So I was getting like four hours. So you're, yeah. you're killing it. You need to be proud so, because that's well, difficult. Well, my, I'll admit to my hack that has been saving me. The first few months I was doing this, I was just getting really, really tired. And so finally, 
I once a week have a babysitter come really early in the morning. So she gets up, she's there when Clara gets up and I can sleep in. So I get like one night a week where I just like sleep as much as I possibly can. And I've got my eye mask and my earplugs. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love a so good eye mask. That, that has, that has actually made a huge difference. So I got a piece of advice a while ago that was like, do what you need to do to, you know, to, to survive really. Absolutely. <laughs> survive, and I'm but, you know, a, do what you need to do to get your sleep and, you know, still be a functioning, happy human being. Absolutely. And I'm a huge advocate of calling in the troops. I think there's some shame associated with people there who, is. and there really shouldn't be because really <laughs> there used to be a village. There's no village left. It is physically impossible for one woman to do everything. So good for you, sister. Every people need help. If you have access or the ability to have family nearby, that's great. But most of us in this day and age just don't, you need, you need yeah, help. I don't. Where is your family, by the way? Because I know uh, we're we're recording this in Orlando, so we are like in you know, Space Coast Central. Um, yeah. And and I, I know your family's and a bunch of my cousins actually live in Orlando. Oh no way! Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So you're down here quite a bit. I am between Trump rallies and visiting family. Um, I spend I've, I've been to Orlando quite a few times. It's not a it's not a bad place to be, especially in the no. winter. So let's talk about your family. I feel like this is huge um i don't know if anyone knows this but um your mom annalee fisher how how quickly did she go into space after she had you she's isn't was an astronaut and she was a trailblazer because was she not the first mother to go the first mom in space she was assigned to her first space flight she sorry she gave birth to me on a friday and was back in the office in the astronaut meeting Monday morning with a donut oh. so that she could sit on it. Oh, <laughs> and God said, love her. She did it because she needed to, but she also did it because she kind of wanted to see the look on all the guys' faces. You know? <laughs> like, yes, it. I did this. I love um, it. I listen, was, it takes a special woman to be that like mobile <laughs> and also like interested in other human beings. You just had a baby. Like what? Yeah. She's got to be a superwoman. So she was at eight. I believe she was eight months pregnant when she was assigned to her first space flight. And so she spent that whole first year of my life learning how to be a first time mom, but also training for her first space flight. That's and insane. And flew in space when I was 14 months old. And, you know, I, since I've become a mom, I mean, we've always talked about it, but our conversations have become, uh, you know, kind of much more in depth now that I'm kind of going through a, a similar phase of life. And, I'm just in awe of what she did. I really have always been in awe, but now it's a completely different level. Uh, she, I just kind of grew up thinking that I could have it all, you know, seeing my mom do that. I was like, oh yeah, my mom, she was assigned to her space flight. She went up in space, was able to be a mom, no problem. Yeah, I can, I can totally do this. So I always in the back of my mind thought like, oh yeah, I can definitely have kids and have a career, no problem. It wasn't until I really tried to do it that I was like, wow, <laughs> how did she do this? It's insane. It's insane with a job on earth. Um, I, I am I am shocked and like impressed to the nth degree that she was able to execute that type of a mission, quite literally a mission, um, you know, having gone through, you know, the late part of her pregnancy, getting assigned the mission and training and actually going up. Um, that first year, as you know, is hard. You, I'm certain you don't remember anything personally, but now that you have conversations with her about what that year was like, is there anything that she tells you that she had to sort of repeat to her herself or remind herself to get through it because I cannot imagine that it was easy well the thing she got a lot of flack actually at the time and afterwards for leaving her baby on earth while she embarked on this very dangerous mission I mean this was before Challenger but the risks were very real and she had to make peace with herself that she could very well die uh, in in doing this but the way she sort of made peace with it with herself was that she said, you know, this was a commitment that she had made to her country and to herself and to everybody in the astronaut office before she got pregnant with me and that it was a commitment that she was going to keep. She kind of viewed it as, you know, many members of our, our men and women in the military view it where, you know, this is a commitment you made and you, you have to keep it baby or not. Um, but with that said, she had, 
he videotaped 25 hours of videos that whole first year of my life because she wanted to be able to give me something to watch if by some chance she didn't come back. And a few days before her launch, one of her crewmates said, you know, have you written the letter? And she said, well, what, what do you mean? What letter? And she, he was like, you know, the letter that, you know, many fighter pilots, many, you know, folks in the military, right, right before they're about to go off on a dangerous mission. It's the right, the letter you write to your, to your family if you don't come back. And she was like, gosh, no, I, no, I didn't think to do that. So she wrote a letter to me um, in the event she didn't come back. And thank God she didn't have to uh, ever give it to me, but she has it. And uh, I have actually read it since. But, um, you know, she was dealing with these very, very heavy issues while still trying to be a loving and, and happy mom. And I would imagine that she was, I mean, we know that she was the only woman in her particular position, like we said, actually mm -hmm. going on a mission. But was she also one of the only women um, at Mission Control, like on the ground making this happen? Because um, I, I would imagine that there weren't many people in her position, no matter what part of NASA they were with. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if there, I'm sure there were other moms throughout throughout NASA. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was a very male-dominated uh, place at that time, but uh, I, I'm sure there were others in mission control, but there was, you know, there were only, she was one of the first six women astronauts, period, and uh, I believe, I know two were married, possibly three um, at the time that they were selected, but, um, you know, she was just, there, there weren't really anybody else in her exact situation that mm -hmm. she could talk to but my mom and so my mom and my dad are, are astronauts and so they were really the first astronaut couple um and I think they you know I think having my dad also understand you know the dilemma that she was dealing with he hadn't flown in space yet she flew before him but he was definitely somebody that she could talk to about you know mm -hmm. uh, the risks versus the the reward you, you mentioned this a couple of minutes ago, and I would love to dive deeper into it, especially having heard your mom's story. Um, you said that the phrase, having it all. I love asking moms this question because I think the answer is always different, and I would love to hear your perspective. After having had your child, and she's a year and a half now, and you're living in that world of working mom, do you think it's possible to have it all? Gosh, it's such a great question. I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, realistically, I, I, I think you can have, you can have close to having it all, but I, I don't, I don't think it's possible to, it's, look, you can't, there's a part of you that wants to be a stay at home mom and be with your baby all the time. And there's a part of you that want to gives, wants to give, you know, 110% to work and say yes to every single trip and go out on the campaign for the entire duration of the 2020 campaign. I can't do both of those things in, you know, I, I can't be home all the time and I can't be on the campaign trail. So if that's what I want, then no, I can't have it all. But you have to figure out a way to make your peace with the situation that you have. And, you know, some days I do a great job of it and other days I don't. But the piece of advice that has stuck with me the most came from my mom. And my mom told me I was debating whether or not, you know, I, I should really do the 2020 campaign. And, and you know, it'd be a, an intense period of time. It would be, you know, fairly limited in duration, right? You know, like from January to November of, of 2020. It, it's a long time, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, not that long. And I was really having a tough time with it. And my mom told me, well, Kristen, you need to kind of view this as your space flight. She said, are you glad that I did what I did? Are you glad I went into space? And, you know, the answer is, of course, yes. And she said, and, and do you remember any of it? And, you know, I, I unfortunately wish I kind of did, but I don't. Um, and she said, you know, look, Claire is at about the same age and you have help. You have a wonderful nanny. My mom has agreed to, you know, come and bring Clara 
on the campaign trail with me a bit and, you know, stay at home with her when she can't come. And, you know, she said, look, this is view this as as your space flight. It's something you've worked hard for and don't feel guilty about it. So I'm trying to uh, I, I love the advice and I'm trying to think about that every single day. I think that's solid advice. Uh, and, and, you know, it all also. And obviously co- it's a lot less dangerous. So sure. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You're staying firmly on earth, feet firmly planted on earth. On earth. Yes. yes. Yeah. But still, I mean, you have a job that's that's very unique. And I think um, it's it's difficult for a lot of us to appreciate the amount of energy that it takes to, like, l- travel, let alone do the work of interviewing and you know presenting the information on air i mean what you do uh, what what tv journalists do um to some people can appear simple or or frivolous at times when in reality the preparation and um you know the information that goes behind every two minutes is just of tv time is just astounding so i mean like i said I, i i completely respect what you're doing and i think it's uh i think it's kind of cool to see do you, do you have any big trips i know you said you're you're on the campaign trail through the the greater part of next year um do you like how does that look like practically speaking so you've booked your nanny um like do you leave a suitcase packed and just kind of go back to it I like how does that look i don't know we're still <laughs> working that out I, I i can't really speak to that yet because we're, we're still trying to figure it out Um, And, you know, there's just so much and it's not even it's not even what I would do or what I wouldn't do. It's also what happens on the campaign trail. Right. Are there going to stay 20 candidates out there? Is it going to whittle down to fewer candidates? How much is, you know, President Trump going to travel? That sort of stuff. Um, It's there's so many variables that it makes it almost impossible to to really, uh, you know, nail down what it's going to look like. So. I, 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 I wish I had some better insight into that. I, I know that, you know, when Fox came to me and asked about, you know, my interest and availability, I said, you know, I'm, I'm very interested in doing campaign stuff. I just, you know, I can't go for the duration, right? I can't leave in January and be gone until November. That's just not going to work. So Fox has been, uh, our director of politics in the DC bureau has been wonderful and said, you know, we'll, We'll work with you, um, but exactly what that would look like and how it will work out, I, I just don't know yet. I have to ask you this too. Having I, my my experience in political reporting was fairly limited, but there was one time that I was sent to interview Paul Ryan, and I will tell you, I have never been more scared than when I encountered the <laughs> Secret Service people that were surrounding him. It was like they had like Terminator eyes; they could like see through me. Like the things you've probably seen um, in covering politics, have, I'm, I'm sure, are just crazy. Have you ever had any like weird Secret Service things, or like seen anything happen that 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 was that was crazy? Gosh, let's see. Um, well, I interviewed the vice president when I, I went on a trip with him to uh, Estonia and Latvia and Georgia. And, you know, just seeing the amount of infrastructure and security that goes into a trip like that. I mean, it is it is wild. Actually, here is a here is a story that you will enjoy. Um, So I went to Vietnam recently when President Trump was there to meet with the North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un. And I ended up staying at the same hotel as Kim Jong-un. And that was where the White House filing center, where all the press was supposed to stay and file their stories and do their stand-ups for live TV. And at some point, be it the the Vietnamese government or Kim Jong-un, as he would, two hours before Kim Jong-un was supposed to arrive, they kicked the White House press filing center out of that hotel. What? You had a hotel. Yeah. And this has like never happened before in the history of the White House press corps. Nobody could remember a time when this had happened. But if you had a hotel room and you were supposed to be staying in the hotel, then you were allowed to stay. So from Fox News, that was I ended up I had a room. So I stayed and our chief White House correspondent, John Roberts, had a room. He stayed as well. And it was wild. I mean, there the entire lobby was full of Kim Jong-un's security detail. And when he was moving in the elevators, all the elevators were locked down. You couldn't move. I was up on like the I don't know, 10th or 12th floor. And so you would have to take the stairs. But the best part was I started noticing that my Internet wasn't working in the hotel room. 
and cell phone was kind of scattered too. So I called the IT guy at the hotel and uh, they, or I called the front desk. They sent an IT guy up. He couldn't figure out what was going on either. So he left, came back about 30 minutes later and he said, you know, I'm really sorry, but the North, it's, it's the North Koreans. They're oh jamming gosh. the hotel's Wi-Fi. That is so, insane. Isn't that crazy? So I spent like several days in a hotel room with zero access to Wi-Fi and I would have to, and my cell phone, it would work, but not very well. So I had to give my producer and everybody else my landline. Oh, <laughs> they my needed gosh. to reach me. So it was quite a quite a throwback in time. You're like, sorry, guys, Kim Jong-un is to blame. Seriously. I mean, right. I there is a whole other level of terror in my mind that's associated with being locked in a hotel with the leader of North Korea. But right. I mean, that actually plays out kind of like a movie. But that's like, I'm sure you look at that and you're like, who else in the world really can say that they've done something like that, you know, like been in the same hotel or or covered you know that that um, that meeting between these two leaders it's it's amazing what you're doing it's, those moments make it worth it right it is moments like that that i truly live for i mean getting to cover stuff like that is just i mean i've i've spent you know 15 years you know moving to cities where i don't know anybody working you know weekends late nights overnights early mornings you know how it is i mean just whatever shift you can get slowly climbing the ladder and to finally get to be able to cover stuff like that. I never take it for granted. And I, I just really, really appreciate it. And I love doing it. And so those moments when I'm like, Oh my God, I miss my baby so much. Like this is truly, truly painful. Like I've cried about it. And, uh, I just try to hold on to those times and remember, those moments and and you know things like that do make it worth it yeah i mean like i said not many people can say they have done or seen what you've seen um do you have any advice for people that want to get into this i, I i'm sure there are lots of young people out there who are interested in media it's a it's a really different world than it was even five years ago with all this totally. digital world stuff but what do you tell people who are interested in television so i i've given this advice to some interns and, and other people that have kind of come through the Fox News DC Bureau. And they're always, <laughs> I always don't know if I should be giving this advice or not. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's the most politically correct thing to say, but uh, I, I truly believe it in this day and age. And I'll say this kind of from a place of love, right? Like I, I love and respect local news. It's where I got my start. It's where I learned everything that I, I do now, and I found it to be an incredible training ground. Um, I mean, you can throw me into any situation, and even now to this day, if you give me a camera and a laptop and a microphone, I will get you a story and get it together and get it on air and do it live. Like, I, I have a, a level of technical confidence that I would not have had had I not gone through that. With that said, in this day and age, I'm not sure that local news is the best way to get to where you want to be unless that is the market that you want to stay in. If you want to be in Dallas, great. If you want to be in Orlando, great. But to use it to get to a place like Washington, D.C. or New York City, I think there's a better way to do it now. And the way that I would suggest is to find your niche, find that area of expertise that you want to be an expert in and just drill down on it. If you want to cover politics, come to DC, work for a smaller online newspaper or a podcast or a blog. I mean, there are tons of smaller outlets that you can work for where you can really start to cut your teeth, get the sources. That's where a lot of the value is today is in a, you know, a day and age where there's so many media outlets out there who can break the news, who can advance the story and who has, you know, the subject matter expertise to put it all into the proper context. And uh, even, you know, for a place like, you know, New York or more more national media, the thing that I find a lot of folks wanting now is just people who really know their beat. So um, that would be my advice is to find your niche, find what you're passionate about and, and just become the best at that that you can possibly 
be. Yeah, it's true. And these days, not to like, you know, get on my walker and be like, when I was young, but these right. days you can, you you know, people are like, oh, I want to know how to be on TV. I'm like, no, 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 no. You want to have a brain that is fully functioning and it's like intelligent about one topic. And then you set up your little iPhone and you practice your, you don't need a camera anymore. You don't need a camera guy. Yeah. Practice all exactly. that fun, frilly stuff on your own. But I, I couldn't agree more. I feel like well, and, having like something you love to talk about is, is huge. Yes, or like what you do with having a, a podcast and a blog and and all that sort of stuff. You know, you can, it, it's, it's wonderful and difficult all at the same time, right? Like you can truly be your own boss and build your own brand and, and, and create whatever you want to create. The challenge is, of course, getting everybody to see it in a sea of just, you know, mm. content that's out there online right so now. So much but noise, it, yes. There's so much noise, but so it's very, there's so much opportunity with that. It's just, you gotta, you gotta hustle, right? Oh, girlfriend, <laughs> it, it, the hustle is real. <laughs> I came from this traditional media world. I had a cameraman, I had a producer, and now it's just like, wow, you know. But like you said, I mean, it, it all comes down to the passion and what you're interested in, in providing information on. So, um, yeah, so you make it happen. I love it. I feel like the next generation is just a bunch of hard workers. So they're, they're probably solid on that. Yeah, they're pretty. And, and the other thing I would say is, you know, and I, I think this is fairly obvious now, but just in case, I think so many, especially people who want to be on camera are like, oh my God, I have to shoot and edit too. Like what? You know, one man bands, especially if you're in local news, like that, even in top 10 markets, that is the bread and butter now. And I would just encourage these people to embrace the shooting and the editing because it's fun. And now that I don't do it anymore, I really, really miss it. Mm -hmm. Like I love, I loved that sort of creative control. So figure out a way to to really like it because it's you know chances are you're going to have to do it and rather than just wait for the moment when you have a photographer really enjoy the the shooting because it's a skill that you can you know use and in another part of your life I ended up leaving local news for a while before I joined Fox and started my own very small video production company and where I was not on camera anymore and um, I, the only reason I was able to do that was because of the skills that I had, I had acquired through local news. So um, I just I hear so much from people about not wanting to do the, the shooting and the editing stuff. And it's really fun. Yeah, it can be. You're right. The creative control is, is huge. So I second that completely. OK, so I have to ask you these fun questions now, Kristen, because on my blog, I also like to cover things what? like beauty products and, you know, oh, quick fun. tips. So, OK, you're a TV person. I feel like you <laughs> probably have the in on some like really great products that are your standbys. OK, oh, give gosh. if you have like a short list, what are like the things that you reach for beauty product wise every day? Like because you you look good when you're on TV. You look, I'm looking at your Instagram, you look good when you're not on TV. So tell us some tips and tricks and things that you've picked up along the way. It could be makeup, it could be skincare, it could be hair, whatever okay, your VIPs okay. are. Okay, well, we'll start with hair because as a TV person. <laughs> oh yes, the hair is very it's big. It's really important, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I'm, I try, I mean, this is so cliche, but I really do try to wash my hair like twice a week and that's it. And I try to the first day use as little product as possible and then just because you know if you like use a ton of product on your hair that first day it's I'm talking about hairspray right yes, like we have exactly. to use hairspray in this the business. helmet yes um, <laughs> then it just like kills it for the rest of the week but uh I I'm big on trying not to fry my hair as much as possible and I used to blow dry it out with like a big round brush all the time now I'm just letting it air dry and once it's dry I'll run like a wand through it um but it's hard like i have long hair and it gets you know there are definitely times when i like fantasize about chopping it off actually i have chopped it off but i found found short hair to actually be harder than long hair yes because it gets um, poofier right at least mine yeah, does and just to style and like if, if i'm covering a hurricane or something like so i have like really wet wavy hair it's fine but if it's short then you know it's just a lot harder to make it look good so I, I feel you totally. I live in Florida. Like we walk, I mean, you've been down here, you know this, you walk outside and everything just like expands. It's like the yeah. humidity. Oh I was down oh. in Orlando for the uh, Trump's kickoff rally. I think it was last week. Right. Or was it the mm -hmm. week before? I can't even it remember It was last now. week, yeah. Um, and 
It, I, I mean, I'm from Houston, so I, I know humidity. That was some serious humidity. My hair looked like crap. And so I get inside the rally and I'm, you know, the little like press pen area. I, uh, I, I bring my curling iron with me and I'm sitting there in front of like 20,000 people <laughs> curling my hair. I love it. Oh, I love it. Girl after my, my own heart. Uh, <laughs> it is not glamorous at times, as you know. Um, other stuff I do, gosh, I use the thing I put on my face every day is skin suticals. It's like a tinted sunscreen. Oh, nice. Okay. I think and, I've used that before. It's like an, uh, like a physical blocker, like a yeah, like zinc like, oxide. Like yeah. It has a little, like a hint of like a pigment. So it's like a super light foundation and then I'll pop in some bronzer with it because I'm, I have red hair and freckles and I'm pale as anything. You're gorgeous. Uh, so that, I like, you know, helps me out. You're red haired and gorgeous. Terrible, like, but I, it's I insane. Too. Okay. No, no, no. That's okay. It's better than the real <laughs> deal, right? We don't want to be frying. It's better than the real deal. And I just, I, I probably spray tan like once every 10 days. Which one do you do? VersaPro. Okay. Oh, good. I just feel like there's like a lot of options out there. So that's there's good There's a lot know. of options. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's terrible for you, but it's like... The guilty well, thing that I can't get rid of. You you gotta have some indulgences here, friend. I like Lux Tan, yeah. by the way. That's my brand. When I can't what like it? do, it's called Lux Tan, L U X E. Right. I think I got it at Sephora. But if you can't get out and you know get a real deal spray, it's pretty good. Yeah. And it doesn't have as much of that like self tanner scent that is so permeating. It's not so bad. So um, okay, I love to hear that. And um, any like makeup products you love? We know that you ladies at Fox are always looking super hot, and your lips are always popping. What gloss do you like <laughs> these days? I need a good gloss recommendation. You know, we use uh, a ton of Makeup Forever. Yes, NARS okay. and Mac. I you know. I try to really, you know, off air wear as little makeup as possible because it's so heavy, um, you know, five days a week. But um, I use, let's see, what is it? I've got it right here. Actually, for my foundation, my favorite foundation, and this is an indulgence, is the Giorgio Armani yes. Luminous Silk Foundation. That okay. stuff is just great. Is and it worth the hype? And my other trick for TV stuff, and this is terrible, but well, actually, it's not terrible. I mean, everybody, everybody at Fox does it, and most networks too. We wear false eyelashes, and those make a world of difference. And not just any false eyelashes, but there are these little false eyelashes that come in like trio strips. They're called like they're in lash they're inserts, called. right? There, it's not a strip. It's just three lashes together. And right. So you pop like just a few on the ends. It takes like less than five minutes to put on, and on TV makes all the difference. I love this. Okay, so you kind of go from the middle of the eye all the way to the outward yep. part. And how many do you usually fit in there? Two or three. Oh, that's good. And can you do, Two like I've three, tried to do that and I feel like I could never master the glue. I am a, I mean, I I have put, I put makeup on, I put lashes on on airplanes, in cars, oh not when I'm driving. I but <laughs> I mean, I've literally put lashes on, on an air, in an airplane and like the guy sitting beside me was like, what are you doing? Oh, I but love I it. I shot as soon as I landed. And so, you know, this was like my only time to do it. I love it. So it gets um, easier like with, with practice, right? So much easier. I don't do, everybody's like, well, why don't you just do eyelash extensions? I don't like the way they look on me off camera like I just want to be totally natural when I'm not doing this and I, I, I just I, I want to be able to take them off mm -hmm. so and I also felt like it just kind of messed with my my lashes so um that that's why but I have I've gotten them done once and I, I just really I they looked great. The upkeep was just difficult. And I, I just want to be able to have a bare face when I'm not working. Yes. I mean, you're right. I, you just layer it on on TV. It's like layer after layer after layer. You probably, it feels yeah. so good, right? To just like let it breathe when you're done. So nice. Oh, and the other thing that's made a huge difference is when, you know, you're wearing heavier, and we have makeup artists. When I'm in the studio or in the bureau, we have, you know, makeup artists and hairstylists that do that for us. But anytime I'm out in the field, I'm having to do it myself. Um, but in studio, it's a thick layer of makeup. And so to take it off, I was just kind of like using my normal cleanser and I just, I found it just like was not taking it off, uh, and that it would just lead to breakouts. It just wasn't great. And so finally I started doing like, I washed my face with two different types of cleansers yes. at night. Live and by that, the double cleanse. Love it. I did not 
double cleanse. That's what it's called. Yes. I, I'm late. I'm late to the double <laughs> cleanse uh, fad. I've only been doing it for like six months, but that has been uh, that's made a huge difference. Isn't it amazing? You know what I used to use, and you can. What this is hashtag hashtag not sponsored. The uh, Tatcha Camellia <laughs> yeah, Oil sponsored. Cleanser. But listen, Tatcha, if you're listening, send Kristen a little freebie. All right. Um, it's called. <laughs> um, it's in a big white pump tube. Again, it's at Sephora. It's at all the retailers. But Tatcha T A T C H A. It's an oil cleanser, and uh-huh. I you just you put it on your dry face, which feels goopy and strange, but it melted. And inst- I still even. Even though I'm not wearing TV makeup, I still use it as my first cleanser. It's an oil cleanser. You put it on your dry face. Really? A good 30 seconds, you really get your eyes, just a gentle massage on the eyes, rinse it off, and then do whatever double, you know, second cleanser you like. Some people like to go foamy with a second cleanser. Some people like, you know, a creamy one. But that oil cleanse, that Tatcha oil cleanse is like actually bomb. It will completely change your routine. All so right. It will take I'm off your eyelashes. It so, but I think you, you want that at the end of the day. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit more before I let you go. We have to love on your baby a little bit. Little Clara is adorable. <laughs> what is, what is her personality like? Do you feel like you're starting to see who she is now that she's getting oh, older? Yeah. It's, I mean, she has a huge personality. I mean, I had to fill out this form the other day, if you could describe your baby in one word, what would it be? And immediately the word is opinionated. <laughs> she has, she has so many opinions about nothing. That's amazing. <laughs> about everything. But she is such a, she's very sweet and very, in a way she's very outgoing. Like when we're walking down the street or if we're on the Metro or out in public, she waves to everybody. She says, hello. Oh, my god. I'm her, her nanny speaks uh, Spanish to her only. So she says hola a lot or hello. Oh waves goodbye. Loves meeting new people. But if you put her in new situations like a pool or put her down on the sand for the first time, she's she's much more reserved and timid. And it takes her a while. She, you cannot just introduce her to something new and expect her to be cool with it. She wants... It'll take her several days. Like we took her to the beach a few weeks ago and the first two, three days we were there, she would not walk on the sand. Finally, oh by day God. four, she was like, all right, oh, I'll give cute. it a go. That's so, but, isn't it uh, funny how like even early you can tell what their personality is going to be like? Like the people. It is so wild. Yeah. They're little people. They're not just like little blobs. They come out having thoughts on things. It's crazy. They, and looking back now, you like I had a even even when I was pregnant with her, I kind of had a just an idea of what her personality would be like. And within the first few days, I remember thinking like she is I mean, she's going to have a forceful personality. And but she definitely does. And, you know, I was talking to my mom about how her personality compares to my personality. And she was like, you know, you were. My mom used to always talk about how I would sleep through the night. She could take me anywhere on an airplane. I'd never cry. I was super easy. And I kept being like, I mean, like, I don't know. Is that how it's supposed to be? I don't <laughs> no. Like, am I doing something wrong? And then my mom came and spent a week with us and spent a lot of time with her. And she was like, oh, no, no. She is just, she is a... She is very different than you. She just, she's not nearly as easygoing. That's amazing. (laughs) It's true. And there's no amount of, you know, training or trying new techniques that can change the essential part of like who these little people are. It's, it's incredible. It's exhausting too. And I'm realizing you don't, right? Like you don't want to. No. The key, I really think, and I mean, I'm not like I'm just now, I'm just figuring this out in the very early stages of it, but it's I'm just realizing how important it is to just let them be who they are and just try to nurture whatever they they already are. And uh, it's just it's so fun. Like she's just starting to starting to speak and say all these new words. She says, come on, mama. Oh, my gosh. And uses that's this cute. Southern accent. And I'm like, where in the world is she getting that from? And then I realized, oh, I say, come on, Clara. Oh, that all is the time, so sweet. So. Oh, she sounds adorable. All right. Well, since we're on the topic of motherhood, I want to round out the interview with maybe um, the thing that surprised you most about about motherhood. I like to ask people that because I think we all go into parenthood thinking, I'm going to be this type of parent. I'm going to be that type of parent or my kid will never blah, blah, blah. So what's the (laughs) biggest thing that surprised you about being a mom? Uh, How every cliche is totally true. How much I love her 
and how funny she I did not you know when you're pregnant or you're, and you're reading all these books and there's oh my god like this is gonna it, this is gonna be so hard I'm never gonna sleep again I'm never gonna do this I'm, I'm never gonna go have fun with friends you forget how much fun it is and how funny they can be and the biggest surprise I think for me is just how much how much fun I have with her and yes it's hard and I don't get as much sleep and I don't see my friends nearly as much as I used to but that's okay and I'm the how okay with all of that I am uh has probably been the biggest surprise I love it. I think that is very well put. Um, Kristen, you are a total delight. I'm so grateful that I was able to drag you on this podcast. Thank you so oh, much. There was no dragging. This was a complete delight. Thank you for having me. Tell us where we can follow you and where we can watch you. You can watch me on Fox News. I don't have the cable channel. People are like, the local channel or the cable? The cable channel. Um, I don't have an exact time. I don't have a show. So it's wherever, whatever story I'm covering, whatever, wherever they need me. Um, and I'm pretty, I'm not all that active on Twitter. I'm kind of, I'm very hit or miss with, uh, Twitter these days. It's, uh, it's, it's just gotten a little toxic for me. Um, oh yeah. The Twitter, the Twitter rants on, are real people they <laughs> and, the, are real. and the crappy so tweets I'm are real. Active, I'm much more active on Instagram and it's Kristen Fishers with an S, uh, and you can find me there. Well, thank you so, so much for letting me pick your brain and we will absolutely be following you. I love following your mom posts here too. So I will be following <laughs> you and baby Clara. Thank you so oh, much. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Bye, Kristen. Isn't she awesome? I really, really love talking to Kristen. Um, to talk about just an authentic and just delightful person. Um, how she makes it work and looks that good while she's doing it is a mystery to me, but I'm grateful that Kristen took a few to, uh, to, took a few minutes to let us in on some trade secrets there too with all the beauty products. So uh, Kristen, thank you for that. Again, she mentioned this, but you can follow her on Instagram at Kristen Fishers, F-I-S-H-E-R-S, and it's Kristen with an I, and uh, link all of the stuff that we discussed under the podcast section of my website. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of 30-something. Um, I would be so grateful if you took a moment to leave a rating and or review that helps to get these episodes out to more people who might be interested or benefit from some of the things we talk about. So I'd be grateful if you did that. Uh, thank you so much again for listening and I will be back with more good stuff next week. Have a great one, guys.